The Fanboy, Episode 67. Hi everybody, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is the 67th edition of the Fanboy Podcast, and yes, you are going to have to deal with more scratchy-voiced Mario today because, well, I know, shock of shocks, I've still got this throat infection, and uh, I, I just haven't had a chance to get to the doctor to get more antibiotics because life is crazy. And it's been an especially crazy week over here at Revenge of the Fans. You know, I had a big Batman report. I've been having more and more scoops confirmed and things like that. So that all feels good. So let's do a little bit of sort of positive housekeeping because it does feel really good. You know, so much of what I reported on early on in my um, in my Revenge of the Fans venture and even towards the end of 2017 when I was just El Fanboy was stuff that like was either very far off from happening. So we're not going to know about that for some time. Or it's stuff that was very much like, listen, it, you know, this could happen. This is something being considered, and we'll see what happens. And so you know, a lot of the exclusives that I've tried to share with you, you know, some of them we're, we're either never going to find out about, or if when we do, we're going to find out about them a long time from now. By you know, and by then you may have even forgotten where you heard about it. But it's been it's been exciting these last few weeks because I've had some really nice things confirmed. So just to sort of update you on all that sort of stuff. You know, a couple months ago, there was my report on the power structure over at DC, which got confirmed. Uh, the nuts and bolts of that were that Walter Hamada is the sole captain of the DC ship, and that Jeff Johns is no longer a factor at the executive level. He's there to help out creatively and develop movies and all that sort of thing. But basically, they're no longer doing the multi-heads at Warner Brothers after years of doing stuff where there's like two or three different people, quote-unquote, calling the shots. You know, I broke the story that now they're going to a model where Walter Hamada is the boss. Then there was the mention on the DC Universe website about the fact that they're going to house that news show I was telling you guys about. If You know, they haven't offered any details yet, but if you look on the website, they make reference to the fact that they're going to have a whole news thing there to help, you know, give you all the latest updates on all things DC. And that is essentially the old scoop I gave you about the fact that, you know, they're going to try their best to have that resource be the ultimate DC news resource. And that that would, you know, and in theory, that should help with the leaks, that should help with the misinformation, that should help with the general lack of clarity when it comes to what's going on with DC projects. So on the DC Universe, they confirmed that they're going to have that news component there, which will have, you know, it, it's video, it's going to have hosts and guests and little news briefs and things like that. So that, you know, that was another nice one. Then last week they announced uh, the Batman Hush animated movie. And just a reminder, I did tell you guys about that on this very show. Uh, I want to say like two or three months ago. So it's very nice to have that confirmed. And then there was, you know, last week I mentioned the thing about Robert De Niro officially being in Joker. And now you've got the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, you know, I mean, they claim it as their exclusive. And listen, that's fine. I didn't claim it as an exclusive myself. Personally, I've been hearing that a lot lately. I'm just happy to be the first one to just sort of bring that to light. But that that wasn't even my own in, in investigations that came up with that. But regardless, it was nice to see that, you know, I brought it out to the world. 
And now the Hollywood Reporter is basically confirming it. And there you go. Um, and, you know, there was a big Batman report that came out this week. It was uh, it led to some of the finest hours for RevengeOfTheFans.com. We had our all-time highest traffic date on July 25th. That was two days ago. So thank you to everyone who checked out the Batman story, who shared the Batman story, who actually had the audacity to read the Batman story and not just skim it and find some, you know, and create your own misinformation out of it because that was a lot of fun. I don't really want to get into all that here. You know, I actually wrote an addendum to that story yesterday just to clarify some stuff that people were just running off at the mouth about and it was all based on assumptions and things that I didn't actually say. Uh, but I digress. Uh, you know, it, it's in other words, it, it's been an exciting week, and just to sort of circle back to you know what we were discussing last week about Henry Cavill and his negotiations for Superman. You know, I have the smallest of updates. It's not anything that exciting. I would love to just come at you and say, hey, listen, it's a done deal. I heard that they're just dotting the I's and crossing the T's and you can expect a press release at any minute. Listen, I would love to be able to say that. And by the way, the fact that I can't is one of the reasons I'm a little salty today. So this episode, you know, I try to be a voice of uh, reason and positivity, but I'm a little angry today, but we'll get into that. Um, but yes, okay, so my minor update is that things seem to be going well. That's all I can really say right now. I spoke to some people who, you know, are closer to the situation than I am. And they say right now the general move, which makes sense, is a positive one. And like I said last week, that's not altogether shocking when you consider that both sides want to make this deal. Which is very different than what's gone on with Ben Affleck and Warner Brothers. Where like, you know, one minute they love each other, one minute they hate each other. And there's all this uncertainty. Henry wants to stay as Superman. Warner Brothers wants Henry to stay as Superman, and as such, I'm told that, you know, here we are a week later, and the general mood around these negotiations is that they're just kind of temporarily on hold. It's not like, you know, they're not at each other's throats, they're not giving ultimatums to one another, but they kind of just had to put things on hold as they figure out, you know, some other logistics and see how Mission Impossible Fallout plays out and put together their final offers, but the general mood is this deal will get done. Um, but see, so that, that, that sort of circles me back, to, back though to kind of why I'm feeling angry and kind of like I, I can't believe sort of what's gone on. And I guess to uh, understand some of that, we got to recap a little bit. You know, Man of Steel 2, you know, the, the, the Superman sequel, because it won't be called Man of Steel 2, as I've told you before, you know, it's... It, it's this weird mystical entity that's been dangled out in front of us. And at different points over the course of the last year, it's been on the precipice of being announced. And it, it's amazing to see sort of all the different ups and downs and trials and tribulations. Because yes, Henry Cavill technically doesn't have a new deal. But if you go back to last fall, they were already operating as if it was, you know, a safe assumption that we didn't even have to worry about the deal. Leo, they were already speaking to directors. Remember that. Last September or October, you know, Matthew Vaughn let it be known that he was speaking to Warner Brothers about Superman stuff. And then in December, on this very show, I spoke one-on-one -on -one with Mark Miller. You know, that's Matthew Vaughn's friend, right? And Mark Miller confirmed to me 
that yes, you know, Matthew had, had taken meetings. He even put out feelers to Mark to see if he wanted to work with him on it. And Mark said, well, no, I've got this exclusive deal with Netflix, so I can't help you. So you're on your own. But, you know, I have confirmation that, you know, longtime listeners of this show know that in the fall of 2017, they were speaking to directors. That just goes to show you how sort of out of left field this stuff with Henry Cavill's negotiations and this snag that they recently hit, how out of left field that is. Because they were operating under the assumption already that it, you know, this is a done deal. And it takes me back also to that period around Justice League, where in the weeks leading up to Justice League, Warner Brothers was internally feeling very, very strong about Superman. And they were getting ready to make some announcements at the time. It looked like January was going to be a big month. You know, if, if you guys have been listening for a while, you know about that. I remember talking to you about that quite a bit. That leading up to Justice League, there was all this chatter that Superman is going to be a big deal moving forward. And then what happened? Justice League opened to $93 million. And as soon as that happened, you could tell that Warner Brothers seriously pumped the brakes. And listen, you know, at this point, it's an old story, right? We all know what happened. But Justice League came out. Warner Brothers and DC kind of went into a panic. The, the, the power structure got rejiggered. People got demoted. People got promoted. They completely sort of rethought everything. And in January, they had Walter Hamada brought in. And things have been very different ever since as they've been tweaking the original plans, adding things, subtracting things, and in general, trying to change the philosophy at DC Entertainment so that we don't get another situation like Justice League opening to $93 million. <laughs> and then, you know, amidst all this, as Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment decided they wanted to take a more conservative, more responsible approach to their DC universe, on the other end, you had Henry Cavill, basically beefing up his profile with Mission Impossible Fallout and basically deciding that he wants to be an A-lister now. And I think, I, think, I think this sounds like I'm being mean to Henry. Hey, listen, Henry, you, you are more than entitled to uh, feel however you want about your career. But what's interesting is, as Warner Brothers has tried to get more conservative, Henry Cavill's sort of view of his star power, at least what his team seems to think of his star power, has skyrocketed. So now, rather than the deal being a foregone conclusion, now it's a situation where one side is trying to leverage the other. And, you know, it's it, it, things have just gotten sort of needlessly complex, needlessly out of hand. And it, it, it really kind of like, to me, it's a symptom of what's gone on here these last few years and how utterly frustrating this situation is. Because listen, while I try my absolute best to be a voice for positivity and the eternal optimist when it comes to the DC Universe, especially in this last year or so, you know, underneath that, underneath that optimism is someone who feels like, how did we get here? And I have to almost like push down my, uh, my, my, my rational thinking in order to be as optimistic as I've been. Because when you really think about what's gone on with this DC shared universe over the course of the last five years since Man of Steel came out, it really is mystifying and it really is infuriating. Because, you know, it, it's funny, in 2008, when 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe launched, and it was a great year because we had that happen with Iron Man, and there was also that's the year that The Dark Knight came out, which just celebrated its 10th anniversary, which is a huge deal. But back around that time, I remember getting excited about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but not because of Marvel. Not because of Marvel. Like I've said before, I was never a Marvel guy. You know, Iron Man never meant anything to me. Thor never meant anything to me. You know, I just, I, I was never a big Marvel dude. And, and what they were working on there, you know, what really got me excited for DC indirectly. I know it's going to sound funny, but realizing that Marvel Studios was putting together this really ingenious plan of these, you know, introducing all of these characters, all of them set in the same world, and then sort of, you know, capping it all off and celebrating it with an Avengers movie, my mind instantly went, whoa, this is an amazing idea, and I can't wait until Warner Brothers attempts something like this. Because unlike Marvel Studios, Warner Brothers owns all of DC. And they have since the late 1960s. So now when they see what a goldmine this is, now when they see what this could be and the fact that pop culture wants this and loves this, they're going to be the best at it. Because Marvel Studios here is trying to cobble things together. You know, they're launching a cinematic universe without having access to Spider-Man, without having access to the X-Men. So here they are trying to promote and make A-listers out of B and C-list heroes. So indirectly, when the MCU launched and I heard about those exciting plans, for me the big thing was, oh, well then, you know, I hope that's really successful because then my heroes will get that kind of treatment. And I started to get really giddy about what a DC shared universe can be because unlike what Marvel was doing, trying to make a big deal out of guys like Thor and Iron Man and, and Hawkeye and Black Widow and the other members of the Avengers, you know, Marvel uh, DC has freaking Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and the Flash and the Green Lantern, all these great characters. I'm like, oh, wow. All right, just you wait until Warner Brothers gets into the business of this. This is going to be really something special. And I got so excited. And then, you know, like Warner Brothers, you had one job to do. You know, as soon as you realized that this was coming, right? As soon as you saw that we were about to enter the golden age of superhero films, an age that you yourself helped usher in with Christopher Nolan's Bat Trilogy, you had one job to do. Make a series of phenomenal films in a shared landscape that really that can create these sort of dream come true scenarios. Because who can do it better than you with the iconic heroes that you just have available to you at a moment's notice. You don't have any red tape, no contracts, no rights issues, no nothing. You can just at will go, okay, let's hire the best people and make the most incredible Superman movie ever. Let's hire the best people and let's make the most unbelievable Wonder Woman ever. Like, you know, you have everything. And I know easier said than done, right? Because movies, you know, sometimes, you know, movies, you never know what you're going to get. It takes, you know, there, there's so many different moving parts and so many factors. So easier said than done. But to me, that's a cop out. You know, you're Warner Brothers, one of the true giants of Hollywood and a studio that's given the world some of the greatest movies of all time. And unlike the other guys, as I've said, you have 
no excuses. There's no red tape to cut through. There's no mess whatsoever. And you have access to your A-list characters from the outset. You are ready to just dive into this. So as soon as you saw this coming, as soon as you realized that you'd been sitting on this gold mine all this time, all you had to do was hire your best people, put the utmost care, and offer all the support you could to the right team of filmmakers, and you could have created a DC universe so strong that no other superhero franchise could have even touched it. Instead, you made a bunch of boneheaded mistakes. From hiring talented filmmakers who are known for making certain types of films. Films that don't necessarily appeal to the masses. Films that are more niche in nature. To then meddling with those filmmakers and delivering theatrical cuts that left so much to be desired. To then cowardly abandoning ship on whatever the initial plans were and leaving the entire franchise in a state of limbo after only four years. It's unbelievable how mismanaged this thing has been. And I, it's funny, I kind of feel like I'm channeling my inner uh, Aaron Verola. Aaron, you know, I'm sure you're listening. Aaron's a longtime listener, supporter, contributor to Revenge of the Fans, and he's now the co-host of his own podcast alongside Chris Lasanti, another longtime listener, supporter, and contributor. And they have their own show, The Fanboy Garage. Right now, I feel like I'm channeling my inner Aaron because Aaron is probably the type of DC fan that I should be at this point. I should be hardened and angry because Aaron is someone who, just like me, grew up on these characters, loves these characters, and has wanted to see them prosper and go into the you know go into the sun and be these amazing figures in pop culture. And instead, he's had to sit back as film by film the franchise and the the potential for the DCU has been totally whittled away in his eyes. And unlike me, when he saw Justice League, for him, that was like the final nail in the coffin. And that's why no matter what good news I bring, Aaron's always the first one to come over and be like, bah, I can't get excited. You know, the, I've, I, DC's gone to the well too many times and you know, they, they really need to earn back my trust. And I've always been like, oh no, dude, you gotta give him a chance. But I realized like, maybe I'm the one who's just being unrealistic. Maybe I need to look at how many times I've been seemingly slapped in the face as a fan and maybe not turn the other cheek this time. But I am. Listen, I, I can try to talk tough and I know ultimately I'm going to turn the other cheek because Aquaman looks great and Shazam looks great and I want to see what Wonder Woman 1984 is about and I want all this stuff to work out. But really, you know, I've been beaten down by all this stuff. Fans of my ilk have been beaten down for years and in general, it's just insane to think that five years in to this franchise now, you know, it, you know, technically Man of Steel was the start of it, right? But it, it's crazy to think that five years in, five years since Man of Steel, I'm talking about a Justice League movie that most people have forgotten already. And about how Aquaman, of all films, of all properties, is now extremely important to the franchise because if it flops... It's going to put the future into another developmental topspin. And it's like, how did we get here? And the saddest part of it all is that regardless of what type of DC fan you are, we all lost. That's something that's kind of been on my mind a lot these last few days. We all lost. Think about that for a second. 
the DC fans who didn't like the initial few DC movies, you know, the Man of Steel, the Batman v Superman, the Suicide Squads, the, you know, those of us who disliked those films and felt like they misrepresented the characters or missed the mark or were not really as good as they could have been or what they could have been, we lost because in general, yeah, yes, you know, Warner Brothers eventually learned its lesson and they're trying to change things and they're trying to make things better, but we're ultimately, we're stuck with a DC franchise that's in this like weird limbo where we have to ask questions like, will the next Batman movie be in the same continuity as the Batman, you know, as the Batman we saw in Justice League just a few months ago? We have to ask questions like, are we ever going to see Henry Cavill under the a red cape again? We have all of these questions and all of this uncertainty. So it's like, and on top of that, like, let's say we wanted a reboot, like a full-fledged hard reboot, which I don't. But let's say you're a DC fan who wanted that. You're going to be disappointed because it's not happening. They're not doing a hard reboot. They're seemingly doing a soft reboot. So, you know, in general, you're going to have to make peace with films that come from the DNA of films you didn't care for. Then on the flip side, if you're a DC fan who absolutely loved those first few movies, you loved Man of Steel, you loved Batman v Superman and thought it was an instant classic and Suicide Squad for you while, you know, not great, you still got something out of it, like, you lost too. You probably lost harder than the rest of us because now you, you, you see what happened. They, they, they ditched Zack Snyder. They ditched all of what they were working for. And rather than give you the payoff, at least, to what those films were building towards in Justice League, they totally, you know, cut it off. They, they pulled the rug out from under it. And now, you know, this whole thing with the Snyder cut and all this other uncertainty, it's like everybody lost. Whether you were pro the initial vision, whether you were against the initial vision, all DC fans have lost up to this point. And that's why we're like, we're, we, we look at Comic-Con last week and we're all trying to get as excited as we can about Aquaman and Shazam and everything. But at this point, if you really dig beneath the surface, you know, there's, there's pain and there's anger in there. At least there is for me. Because, you know, it, it, I actually think of like, you know, when I think of some of these people on the other side of the aisle, the, you know, the, 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 the Snyder Cut people and the people who feel betrayed, I actually think about like the Bane quote from uh, The Dark Knight Rises where he goes, you know, oh, you think darkness is your ally. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. And like, I think about that line because... You know, you guys who are waiting for the Snyder Cut, you guys who are upset with all this uncertainty, with feeling like something that you really cared for, that was somewhat polarizing, that had all this potential that a proper sequel perhaps could have rectified if you if the studio stopped meddling with the vision and stopped overthinking things. You know, you guys are new to this. I've been going through this since the early 1990s, okay? This all, like, my, my ride on this little roller coaster that is DC and their movies began, like, 25 years ago when I was reading an, uh, a Variety magazine. Yes, actual Variety, not Variety.com. I was reading Variety and reading about the fact that Warner Brothers was trying to work on Superman Lives. They wanted to make a movie about the, the death of Superman storyline. And, they, you know, they, like it, it, it might have been 93 or 94. I forget what year it was. But it was basically the beginning of what would be a series of developmental hell situations for, for Superman and then ultimately for Batman as well. 
where Superman lives got scrapped. And by the way, while we're on this quick, serious pause, because John Schnepp passed away last week. Uh, and that, that news broke shortly after I recorded episode 66, so I did not get to mention anything about that. But, you know, I, I think of him right now because he made a phenomenal documentary about Superman Lives. So I just, you know, I just remembered this. And I just wanted to say that, you know, uh, my condolences to Holly and the rest of the Schnepp family. It's an unbelievable loss. And like I said on Twitter, you know, he's not someone who I followed that closely because I don't, you know, I don't watch Collider Heroes and I don't, you know, really read any other sites. But from the periphery, he was always someone who had my utmost respect, especially because, you know, he was a passionate fanboy who actually got things done. You know how people always say like, oh, well, if you know, if you're so opinionated, then go make your own movie. Well, you know what he fucking did? And it was really good. And you should see, you know, the death of Superman lives, what happened. It was a great documentary. And in general, he's someone who wasn't just a fan who sat back on his ass and Monday morning quarterbacked other things. He spoke from a place of information, from a place of authority, and he actually went out there took action, and made a film about the stuff that he loves this much. So he'll always have my utmost respect. And he was someone who I thought, you know, one day I will meet him. I will shake his hand. I will thank him for his contributions and for his talent and for the legitimacy that he's brought to people like myself and to others, other commentators on these things. And now I'll never get to do that. So John, may you rest in peace, sir. Uh, yeah, I'll always, you know, I'll, I'll I'll always hold you in a place of respect and admiration for your contributions to geek fanboy culture. So thank you, King Sweaty. But you know, to get back to you know what I've had to go through as a DC fan, as a Superman fan, you know, I had to sit through. 14 years of false starts on Superman movies from Superman Lives to Superman Flyby to Batman versus Superman to ultimately get Superman Returns. And Superman Returns came out in 2006 and that was a film that, you know, listen, you can judge me, you can hate me, I don't care, but I loved that movie when it came out. Yes, I know it's flawed, but I saw it 11 times in theaters because it just felt good after all of the uncertainty of the prior 12 to 13 years to finally be able to see Superman on the screen again, saving lives and hearing the John Williams music and getting to experience those thrills that I felt when I was three and four watching Superman 4 and the original Christopher Reeve Superman movies. You know, it's, it was just a thrill to me. And then for me, the uncertainty only continued after that because people forget about that. But there was a lot of uncertainty after Superman Returns and it mirrors a lot of what's going on today. Because after Superman Returns came out, in the immediate aftermath, you had Brian Singer and his writers talking about the sequel, which was going to be called Man of Steel. And I know I've spoken about this before, but they were talking about a Man of Steel that would have Brainiac as its villain. They acknowledge that, that Superman Returns was a bit of a, a, a gentle, sort of nostalgic, contemplative piece, and that the next one would be a balls-to-the-wall action-adventure on par with like Star Trek The Wrath of Khan, where the stakes were going to go really high, and it was going to really kind of kick the entire Superman cinematic mythology up into high gear. 
And then the trail went cold. Then all of a sudden, it's like, all right, well, when is Singer going to start, you know, filming the sequel? And then a few months became a year, became another year, became quotes from executives saying, well, you know, Superman Returns didn't quite, um, you know, position the character the way we'd hoped. And, uh, you know, now we're reassessing to the point where, like, it was like 2008 or possibly even 2009 and you had one of the co-writers of Superman Returns, Mr. Mike Doherty, who, by the way, is about to have a huge moment in the sun thanks to the fact that he directed Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I'm very happy for him as a side note because Doherty you know, first kind of came into contact with Warner Brothers and Legendary Pictures because of his association to Superman Returns. And now he is working with Warner Brothers and Legendary on this amazing looking Godzilla movie that I could not be more psyched for. So I'm really happy for Mike. I'm really happy to see that his career has like bounced back and that he's doing really well. But I remember in 08 or 09, you know, he, he said somewhere in some public forum, he teased fans. He said, you know, keep an eye out next month. Keep looking to the skies. And he was dropping hints about the fact that we may finally get that announcement about Man of Steel. We may finally get that announcement about the balls-to-the-wall action-adventure Wrath of Khan-type film featuring Brainiac that would, you know, shut up all the naysayers about Superman Returns and put Superman back on proper footing, make him the action hero that so many wished he was. They want to see him punch things. They want to see him in, in, in a much more intense story than Superman Returns, which ultimately, you know, culminated with him pushing a giant rock into outer space. You know, we were finally going to get that movie. And as of 08 or 09, Mike Doherty and others were still making it seem like it was a possibility. And then what happened? It disappeared. And once again, I'm in this state of limbo as a DC fan, as a Superman fan, wondering, am I ever going to get my Superman sequel? Does that sound familiar, folks? Am I ever going to get my Superman sequel? Am I ever going to get to see Brandon Ralph, an actor who I really enjoyed in the role, who I think, given the right material, would be an amazing Superman, but he just didn't necessarily have the right material? This is all the same exact ways that I feel about Henry Cavill, by the way. So it's like, here we are. 10 years after I was put into this limbo about the Superman Returns sequel, and here I am talking to you about, am I going to get a Superman sequel? So please imagine my frustration at all this stuff. Imagine how long I've been having to just patiently sit and wait while Warner Brothers gets its act together, while it picks its vision for what Superman's future is going to be, and then sticks to it and commits to it and follows through. Not just, we're going to make a movie, then assess. Or we're going to make a movie, then assess. And then ironically, with Man of Steel, that like the, the, there was a brief window there where after Man of Steel, when they assessed... They, they, they actually did push forward on the original plan. They doubled down on Man of Steel. Unlike what happened with Superman Returns, where, like, you know, it didn't do as well as they liked, but even though it got pretty good reviews, and, in, you know, I don't want to relitigate that case. But, you know, Warner Brothers looked at Superman Returns, and they decided, you know, to go another way. Man of Steel 
They saw that it got a polarizing response. They saw that it didn't necessarily do the kind of numbers they had hoped. You know, here we are in, in, in 2013 where superheroes are the biggest thing in the world. And here's an origins, you know, here is a reimagining of the most iconic, most famous, most beloved superhero of all time. And the numbers were only, you know, pretty good. They were not unbelievable like they had hoped. And yet, instead of like looking at that and, and maybe reassessing or maybe changing the folks calling the shots or bring in a new director for the sequel, they doubled down on their polarizing Man of Steel movie. And then the rest, as they say, is sort of history. And please, this is not a knock on Zack Snyder. I'm not attacking Mr. Snyder. But the point is, it's been mystifying to see the logic or, should I say, lack of logic and consistency applied to DC Entertainment by the folks at Warner Brothers. And that lack of consistency, that lack of logic, that lack of foresight has what has led us you know, inexorably to this weird situation we're in right now with all of this limbo, with all of this, I hope Aquaman does well. I hope Wonder Woman does well. I hope Shazam, all these like, you know, thoughts and prayers and hopes that we all have to do just to hope that we get to see more of what we, you know, what we've waited seemingly our whole fanboy lives to see. It all comes from the fact that Warner Brothers has completely and utterly mismanaged and misunderstood what these characters need, what these characters deserve, and what us, the fans, want. But uh, look, I'm going to circle back to Superman for just a second here. Because look, I get it. I know that one of the reasons that it's hard to get a viable Superman franchise going is because he's a, he, he can be a tough character to write for. You know, because he has so many powers, because he's seemingly so perfect and so goody two-shoes and so invulnerable, quote-unquote. All of that was in quotes, by the way. Um, but it can be done. You know, and, and I'm sick of the lack of Im imagination of Hollywood executives. I'm sick of the lack of imagination. My fellow fans, you know how frustrating it is that almost all my life, it feels like I've always had to defend my, 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 my love of Superman. You know, maybe not when I was a little kid, because, you know, little kids love Superman, but then they always kind of reach that point where adolescence comes and Superman becomes not cool. Then they like the characters who are more brooding, who are more, like, human and relatable, and I get it. You know, but, you know, if you think about it, you never have to defend if your favorite character is Spider-Man, because he's freaking Spider-Man. And if your favorite character is Batman, no one asks any questions. But you say your favorite hero is Superman... And I'm telling you, I've always had to, I've always felt this need to have to qualify that, to, uh, you know, defend that, to really sort of back that up. Because I've always, you know, from the time I was like a teenager, the response would always be, really? Oh, God, he's so perfect. He's so, oh, the only thing that hurts him is kryptonite. He's so corny. He's a Boy Scout. Why do you like that guy? And it's like, you know, it, it's amazing because to me, my favorite of Kal-El's superpowers is not his strength, his flight, his heat vision, his freeze breath, none of that stuff. My favorite Superman power is his humanity. It's that concept that I've always brought up in the past about how, yes, 
You may not be able to pierce his skin, but you can break his heart. His kindness, his decision to be helpful and to be generous and thoughtful and kind to all those around him, despite what's happening with him, despite being an orphan, despite having enough power to, if he wanted to, he could go around and eradicate the world of evil at the drop of a dime. He can go on a, on a spree right now and kill every bad guy on the planet and nobody could stop him. But he doesn't because he'd rather inspire He'd rather pull the people of earth together and dare them to be better than they are. That to me is an amazing superpower. And it's not the one you're going to see on the back of his card. Is that dating me? Like, no one, do people still trade like superhero cards? I don't know. But that to me is what makes him special. The fact that he has all of these powers, but he uses them to help. He uses them to be a friend. And from that, you can tell so many beautiful stories. You know, all you need is a good imagination. And you can do a Superman film that will do him justice. That will show that he's not just a big, powerful guy who can fight aliens and have city-destroying battles. He's so much more than that. And also, you know, that's one of the things that for me was frustrating about Man of Steel. Because they got a lot of it right. They got a lot about his vulnerability, his uncertainty, his humanistic qualities. The, you know, what if I just want to be your son? In that scene with Jonathan. Like, they nailed so much of what makes Superman a powerful being that has nothing to do with what he can lift or what he can burn or what he can destroy or throw into the sky. They found what makes the character tick. That little moment there where the little school bus goes into the river and despite knowing full well that it's going to make his parents furious at him and perhaps have the government come after him and make and ruin his life, he can't help himself. And he saves his peers and he pushes the school bus up and he saves the bully. Like, it's unbelievable. They nailed it. And then for me, you know, this is my opinion. But towards the end of that third act, it just became about two demigods beating the crap out of each other. Minus the emotional human stakes. Minus a Superman who's pleading with Zod to try to coexist with the humans, pleading with him to stop this madness, and then ultimately having to make the tragic decision to kill him, despite the fact that he's the final descendant of the planet Krypton. Now he will be truly alone. There were all of these beautiful, humanistic, emotional layers there that could have been woven into the third act of Man of Steel that, for me, just became a whole... It just became disaster porn. It just became skyscrapers falling and two demigods who are punching the crap out of each other. And we can't even tell if they're hurting each other because they're both so super powered that it's like, are, is, is this all just white noise? Are we leveling a city here in this battle over a fight that probably could be solved with words? You know, it was so like, in my mind, it was so poorly 
concluded Man of Steel, that it just broke my heart. That movie broke my heart, but it had so much of what makes Superman special in it. Anyway, I just, there, there are amazing Superman stories to tell. And I think Henry Cavill can be the one to help tell them. I think he's got it in him to be that Superman of his generation, that thing that he has not yet become. And I think he can. And I think with the right filmmakers and the right writers, hey, Christopher McQuarrie, are you listening? Hey, Warner Brothers, are you listening? We can get some truly amazing Superman movies. And I bring this up because I get bitter on a week like this where I have a bunch of Batman news. It frustrates me to no end to know that we've already gotten several phenomenal Batman movies. And it looks like we're probably going to get a bunch more. And over on the other side of the spectrum, you know, Spider-Man is another one of those A-list, everyone loves him superheroes. And we've gotten some great Spider-Man movies and there always seems to be a new Spider-Man movie in some form of development. I mean, seriously, if you go back, basically, it, for, there hasn't been a point since the year 2002 that there hasn't been a Spider-Man movie in active development. And there hasn't been a moment since 1997 when Batman and Robin came out, where some type of Batman movie has not been in some state of development. And basically since 2005, there's been like consistently a Batman movie every couple of years. But Superman, on the other hand, it always feels like he gets the short end of the stick. It always feels like us hardcore Superman fans are left to wait and wither on the vine. And that's why, you know, when I get to report cool Batman stuff, which, by the way, is really cool, and I'm excited to see what Matt Reeves comes up with. And I'm excited to see all you know, these things that I reported on come to fruition. But more than anything, I want to have exciting, unbelievable Superman news to look forward to and to end the last 23 years of not knowing what Warner Brothers is going to do with my favorite character. I'm tired of this. I'm really tired of all this uncertainty. So here's hoping that these negotiations do continue to go in a positive direction, that Fallout is a big hit, that Cavill and Warner Brothers are able to come to terms on a new deal sooner rather than later. You know, the deal that a trade newspaper was getting ready to report on as recently as like three weeks ago. Let's complete that deal and let's make a Superman for the ages. I know Warner Brothers wants to do it. You know, I checked in on the source that told me that Warner Brothers would still love to get a Superman movie into production and into theaters by 2020. That's something that they would love to do. So you know what? Don't just love doing it. Don't just plan to do it. Actually, like, take the actions and make it happen. Because you have a whole legion of Superman fans out there who've been waiting for their Dark Knight. Who've been waiting for their all-time modern classic based on Superman. And I know for some of you that's Man of Steel, and I'm glad you guys got that. But I'm still waiting for mine. And based on everything I've seen, based on all of the evidence about you know, box office numbers and cinema scores and all the other metrics... 
there's a there's a huge population of us who have yet to get that modern day Superman classic. And let's let's please do that. And that's why this week's recommendation is uh, a little different. A little different. Usually I suggest a film that you know you could find on a streaming service or find on DVD or Blu-ray somewhere, you know, an older movie. But this time, I'm gonna say, go see Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> it just opened. You know, I Brandon saw the movie and he reviewed it for the site, Brandon Alvarado. And every, and Vanessa saw it too, and she absolutely loved it. So it sounds like it's gonna be a great ride. Go out there and see this movie, support Henry Cavill, and let's continue to put into the world on social media and elsewhere, let's continue to make Warner Brothers hear that we want a Superman movie, we want Henry Cavill back, and let's get this deal done and give fans the world over the quintessential Superman movie of our generation. And so, until next week, life is chaos, be kind. Adios.